Hey folks, welcome to episode 302 of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined as always from Norwalk, Iowa by the one and only Kyle Wood. Yeah, buddy. Not long for Norwalk though, because you are headed north. We are pointing the truck north and we are heading back to where there's more bodies of water and a strong possibility of actually going fishing. Yeah, but, you know, maybe not as many big bass as Iowa has, because pretty much every time you fish there, you crush them. Look, here's the thing. Uh, Definitely not as many big bass, though I do plan on trying to catch my old friend the smallmouth, Uh, and there is a better possibility of a bigger smallmouth there than there is here, so it's a give-take. Largemouth, not so much. Smallmouth, I mean, need I say more? I I do love a smallmouth. I know. Uh, it's been several days since I caught a smallmouth, so it's uh, tough. Poor thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Do you ever like try to catch muskies, or do you just leave that to the crazy people? I, I, I've never, I never got that bug. I mean, like I have caught some. Yeah. Uh, and I've actually gone musky fishing a couple of times, and it was kind of cool. Like, I mean, when you get a pretty big size fish following your bait to the boat uh and i've never caught one at boat side but i've seen buddies do it like it's kind of cool however i saw not worth the effort boat side (laughs) bite on perspective mode a video of that i was like oh my god this i want this in my life (laughs) dude that'd be cool Um, yeah i just other than catching them accidentally while bass fishing um i just let some of my crazy buddies that love catching muskies have it. have it yeah you know? yeah i think that that's the right strategy i think that i could see myself getting in trouble though on the musky front because i do like a swim bait <laughs> and they're it's not the same thing certainly but i think there are just enough similarities where it's like all right this could be an issue jody <laughs> <laughs> also uh musky guys tend to not look at you as good if you boat flip them uh you know, and I like boat flipping stuff, so. Yeah. I net a lot of stuff. I've just got too lazy these days. Well, yeah, you know, you're getting old, too. Yeah, especially uh, smallmouth. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I treat them with a level of respect. Yeah. Yeah, largemouth, I mean, if I've got anything heavier than 12 pound on, I'm probably going <laughs> to boat flip it. You're, co- you're coming in the boat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if it's 12 pound... Probably I'll just net it. Yeah, yeah. I did one. I I, I caught one fish over the uh, weekend, and it was on a swim jig on twelve pound or whatever. Because I was like just kind of mixing things up. It was a good mix up, but I went down and grabbed it. You know, like Elite Series BPT style, like with my hand. Oh and yeah. I was like, oh my god, this was it. It came up and like just didn't move, so it didn't present a challenge. But for a moment, I felt like you know, Palinic, I was like, oh my God, I did it. <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is the peak of athleticism. Um, and, uh, you know, then I was like, well, all right, that was a, you know, two and three quarter pounder. You can go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, peak of athleticism. <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like it's a sport when I do that. When I, 
when I'm trying to land a smallmouth, I usually just sit in the side and just wait and wait and wait for them to like wear themselves out enough. And I look like the Johnstons because they are a mess landing fish without nets. Oh gosh, yeah, just disaster. Yeah. One of the highlights of them moving to the Elite Series is you get to see them land fish without nets more. It's simultaneously a low light. <laughs> yeah, which also uh, the Johnstons were moderately a hot mess sometimes with a net. So, <laughs> well, the greatest net photo of all time, when Corey has the net over his head and he's mm-hmm. like spinning in midair, was an accident. He didn't mean <laughs> to look that cool. He was like being clumsy, and it just yes. looked really cool. Yep, yep. Um, but gosh, though, looked so cool. Um, anyhow, I guess we got a good show. Uh, it's only going to be in the low seventies here today, which is huge for me personally. Um, <laughs> big win big yeah, win. it's been so hot man um so hot but anyway it's gonna be cool uh you've got an interview with josh bragg which should be fantastic we've got the potomac to talk about a little high school fishing you know maybe some other random stuff so i would say it should be pretty good yeah yeah sit down buckle up and enjoy the ride all right that said before we throw this over to Josh Bragg, let me sell you some baits. Sound like a plan? Please do so. Alrighty. Few lures have stood the test of time like the original rattle trap by Bill Lewis. And now, with the help of Major League Fishing Pro Mark Daniels Jr., we're launching the SB57 and MR6. Go to rattletrap.com to learn more. Hmm. Do you think we're going to need to update that ad read after ICAST? Because that's actually a thing that is coming soon-ish. Uh, yeah, probably. I'd be exciting, right? I, I'd be all for it. I mean, we're getting pretty good at reading that, but something new could be fun too. I'll probably have to swing by the Bill Lewis booth and, uh, you know, bug some people. You'll you'll get in there and they'll be like, "Whoa, they have me reading the ad on a loop. This is wild." <laughs> 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 you didn't even know it. They've been th- just downloading the MP3s and then just they play it the whole time. I mean, honestly, it'd be a smart move on their part, right? Like, if they want to draw attention to the booth, you should probably do that. Yeah, it's definitely the best strategy. <laughs> not not have various big name pros in it. Have no, you know, no, no, just Kyle, Kyle's voice. Yeah, yep, yeah. I think they could incorporate that color guessing game in their booth. I would. I mean, it's a good game. We don't play it enough, but it's a good game. They totally should. Anyway, time for uh, Mr. Bragg? Time for Mr. Bragg. All right, folks. Well, uh, this week, special rookie guest, uh, rookie to the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit, Mr. Josh Bragg. You're fresh off of Top 10, dude. How you doing? Good, man. Good to be here. Well, uh, I know... uh, I've been wanting to chat with you for a little while, and after your performance on the Potomac, I figured, you know what? There's no better time to have this guy on the podcast than right now. Yeah, that's great. It's great to be here, man. That, uh, the Potomac was a uh, was definitely a good event for me. I was, uh, you know, definitely happy happy to make that final day cut and, and get an opportunity of making a run at it. Uh, didn't work out like I had planned, but. Uh, the Potomac was definitely a good event, for sure. Well, uh, we'll definitely get to all that. Uh, we'll dive into that event. We'll dive into your season. But, uh, you know, like I said, you're a rookie. You know, you're from uh, you're from Alabama. You live in Alabama. Are you from Alabama? 
born and raised. I grew up in uh, Jacksonville, Alabama. That's where I was born, and uh, I've lived there my whole entire life. Now, uh, me being from the north, um, you know, bass fishing, we're seeing more pros coming out of, like, Minnesota and New York and Wisconsin and all that. Uh, but, you know, it takes a little getting into, right? You, it's not like everyone just grows up a bass fisherman, whereas I think of guys from Alabama just growing up fishing derbies since they were, you know, five years old. <laughs> was was that the case for you, Josh? No. Actually, you know, I grew up, definitely grew up in an outdoor family. Um, they spent a lot of time outdoors. Uh, you know, in my younger days, I probably spent more time in the, uh, you know, deer hunting and turkey hunting, squirrel hunting, just in the woods. Okay. You know, with my dad more than I did actually fishing. You know, we, we did the pond hopping my whole entire, I mean, since I can remember. Um, I didn't actually really get in. My dad, you know, when I was real small, my dad tournament fished a lot um, through bass clubs and stuff, you know, these bigger trails. Back when he was doing it, wasn't really, you know, there wasn't a drive to do that as much. Okay. Um, there really wasn't that, that many tournament trails out there when he was doing it. So he more did it at a club level. Um, so, but as I, as I got into high school, um, me and him started fishing a few um local team tournaments here and there and then um you know it just kind of lit a fire under me and i just kind of took off with it from there and, and then when i graduated high school and and i just kind of started uh getting my feet wet in the bigger events and stuff so that's kind of how i um got into the tournament side of it okay okay so it was kind of a gradual progression uh getting into the whole thing of uh i guess that path towards a professional career anyway. Right. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I can remember as a kid, you know, always having that dream, you know, you looking at Bassmaster magazines, uh, you know, we had a magazine uh, back in the day that's called Alabama game and fish, you know, and you'd always see the likes of uh, Jimmy Houston or Hank Parker or Bill Dancer, all mm -hmm. them, you know, yeah. as a kid, as a kid, you always have a dream of, of doing that and not always, um, knowing what it would take to get to that level or even the path to take to get to that level. So it's it's been a slow process, but it's been a good one. Well, uh, you know, you started fishing, as a lot of guys do, you started fishing some BFLs. Um, and then really, uh, just kind of glancing over, uh, you know, your profile here, last year was kind of like the first really full commitment to at least the Toyota series, um, in your career. Why, why last year? Um, you know, it, it I have been kind of, I had been kind of, um, I guess you would say dabbling in that, that level of tournament fishing for, I think I started back in 2000, I think 12, I fished some of the, I believe back then it was the Everstarts. Mm -hmm. Um, I fished a couple of those and then, you know, fished a couple of years of the Bassmaster Opens and um, then kind of just started fishing a lot of, a lot of trail, local or regional top trails around Alabama. And it just got to a point where I felt like, you know, um, if I wanted to make a run at, at actually trying to become a professional fisherman and the 
the pro side of it, the pro circuit side of it, um, you know, I needed to kind of, uh, like get the ball rolling and really, like really nail down and focus on making that happen. And, and me and my wife really, uh, just had a conversation before season last year. This was even before, you know, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we, uh, I had three kids. So, you know, that I have a lot of, quite a bit on my plate. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, so, uh, we just talked, we was like, Hey, if you want to do this, you know, let's just go for it, put all of our eggs in the basket and, and go for it and see if we can qualify. And if we don't qualify, let's just kind of stick to the, you know, the local level and, and do something else, you know? And, you know, it just connected with, with where me and her, her are at in life, where our family's at in life. And, uh, uh, you know, we, stuck our eggs in the basket and, and did it and you know it just was it just all worked out you know and and some of that some of that did play that you know uh the toyota series had a had a um one of one of the series was uh i think they'd done away with this year was the southeastern and yep, all, yep. all the lakes were yep. within alabama so you know it kind of it kind of just made sense you know well, and I was going to bring that up because, you know, like you said, you fished the Southeasterns last year. Um, for the folks listening, you finished fourth overall in points. Uh, the first one was at Eufaula. You finished 16th. The next one was at Wheeler. You finished seventh. And then Neely Henry was in September, and you finished 19th. So it was a heck of a season. But like you said, it, it definitely seemed like the perfect storm um, right. and, and perfect timing, really, for, for you to jump in, fish the Toyota series, and then I mean you had a heck of a season too because that southeastern division, man, there's there's a ton of hammers. It's the same way with the southern divisions, uh, you know, like we've had in the past. Uh right. I mean it, the heat right. comes out in that division for sure. For sure. They're they're uh, you know, but you know, that that's one thing you mentioned the guys from the north and the guys from the south. Uh you know, in Alabama alone any just about any um, tournament series or trail you fish, whether it's at the at the very local level, it it man that, there's hammers. I mean oh, yeah. they they Alabama is is loaded with hammers, and and you know that series last year, Toyota series last year was no different. It it brought out all of the all of the hammers. <laughs> so um, so very fortunate last year to have a, a really good a really good season. And so it sounds to me like going into it you knew okay if i qualify i'm i'm going to the pro circuit i I feel like a lot of guys kind of maybe don't put the effort into thinking about that beforehand and then they wind up finishing third or fifth in points and you know they get that invite and then they got to kind of scramble but you seemed like you were that was the that was the goal before you even launched the boat at the first tournament of the year absolutely i i mean i you know it just, it was, I'm, I was just to a point in life uh, last year where like I needed to, if, if I was really wanted to try to fish that side of it, in which it's been a dream, like I, like I said before, it's been a dream since I was a, you know, a kid. And uh, it just, it was like, it was like, you know, it's time to go. I mean, it was either like kind of let that dream of doing that slide on by or really, really take the bull by the horns and, you know, as I would say, and, and go after it. And um, I knew that I was going to do everything possible if I qualified, you know, um, to do it. And, you know, um, 
I think when when the final point shook out, there was no doubt we were we were going for it. Well, and the other interesting thing is, you know, you finished fourth, and that whole division wrapped up pretty quick. Like, from the time it started in June, it was like the first week of September, it was over. But then you had the Toyota Series Championship that you qualified for. You go there and you finish 35th. I mean, that's a heck of a finish uh, at that championship, too. Yeah, I had never been there to uh, Lake Cumberland. Um, So, I I was – I really – had a, I had a pretty decent practice there. So, um, and it was the, the weather conditions there it, in December was, man, it was, it was rough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was. So, you know, yeah, definitely satisfied, you know, happy with the 30, the 34th. I think we had over 200 guys there. I think. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, there was a lot of guys. So, so finishing 34th, uh, kind of capped off a really good year last year. So, now that's kind of we're progressing into you know now it's 2021 uh you're a pro circuit rookie you're heading to okeechobee um have you been to okeechobee before or did you go ahead and pre-practice at all i did i went down in december i had never i had never seen okeechobee before um and i knew going into the season there like the only two lakes that i'd seen on the schedule that i'd ever fished on was uh, Smith and uh, Eufaula. Um, I hadn't been to Okeechobee, hadn't been to the Potomac River, hadn't been to Lake Murray, um, hadn't been up north to the St. Lawrence. Uh, so, you know, even going into the year, I, planning ahead, I knew I was going to have to put the effort in and go pre-practice on every one of these lakes. So I did go down in December um, and ride around on Okeechobee and kind of. And that's a, that's a very, I mean, Okeechobee is very vast. I mean, it's (laughs) overwhelming, (laughs) you know. So I was glad I did that, for sure. What was it like um, that first morning uh, of competition? Like, were were there a lot of nerves when you started fishing? Did it all just seem like this is all business as usual? Or uh, did you get spun out at all, I guess is what I'm getting at on Okeechobee? Um, You know... Like during practice, uh, my wife and family's been traveling with me. Uh, some, my wife was the only one to travel with me to Okeechobee, but, um, you know, I felt as calm as everything, um, during practice during, you know, leading up to the tournament. But I think that, that morning of Okeechobee, I don't really get nervous about much of anything, but I think the, the realization that I was getting to live out my uh childhood dream and really get to compete against i mean gosh look at look at the roster uh, oh yeah you know the tackle warehouse oh, pro yeah. circuit and you see guys that you have been looking up to your whole life and you're 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 rub rail to rub rail with them sitting out there waiting to blast off so you know i don't i don't think it was like i wasn't nervous um but it's just i, I don't know what it i don't know what it would would say even even um even after blast off that first morning at Okeechobee I I wasn't nervous and I but that that little little time frame from like the singing the national anthem and the calling of of the boat numbers I definitely had some anxiety there for sure I was I was jacked up for sure I could believe that man well it 
uh, Okeechobee, I guess another thing I was trying to allude to is you finished 79th, you got a small check, and I feel like mm-hmm. Jody and I have talked about it a lot on this podcast, but Okeechobee is always a place that no matter how good an angler is or how inexperienced they are, like it, it's almost if you have a bad tournament there, it yeah, from the literal sense of you know in points it could hurt you, but it like I never look into it right as like a guy who analyzes this stuff and you know writes about it and follows you know your guys' careers and stuff. A bad finish on Okeechobee, I'm just kind of like eh, it happens. You know, it's Okeechobee. It's vast. Uh, there's a lot of big fish swimming everywhere. You know, you had nine five on day one. Had you caught like an eight pounder, uh, you know, you would have been right. substantially different. It's just one of those lakes. So, like me looking right. at that, seems like a win for you. Uh, first tournament uh, at the pro circuit level. Do you feel that same way? Like, did you yeah. did you walk away going, okay, all right, I can I can live with that. Um. Yeah, I definitely walked away with it, thankful that you know I I, sur- I felt like I survived it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I felt like is is you know if you look across the board of the history of Okeechobee, like like what you're saying, you, it takes a lot of weight to win on Okeechobee, but it doesn't take a lot of weight to to hang in there. Right. You know, kind of yep. like what you're. And I I knew I did not need to bomb that term. So I, I put some pressure on myself, you know, I'll, you know, every guy in the pro circuit, I would think probably goes into the event wanting to win more. Um, so I always put that on me as like, I want to win, but I knew Okeechobee, it, something really special would have to happen for me to compete for the win. So I went there and just like practiced to, to, like not bomb it yeah <laughs> find enough fish find enough fish and find a way to, to make enough fish bite to survive that event and after that first day i mean going into the first day i mean i had a a, a really good practice i mean a, a really good practice and i thought like dang the, my first event i i think i may be around enough fish to do really well and a lot of things, weather-wise and, and things on Okeechobee seemed to change the fish really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that first, that first day, I mean, it was a complete 360 from what was happening. So <laughs> I really struggled to catch the nine and a half pounds on, on uh, that first day. So, um, you know, I just put my head down the second day and, and I mean, the first fish I caught, um was like a almost a seven pounder on the second day so that kind of sealed my survival of Okeechobee so you know I definitely was happy with surviving uh, (laughs) Okeechobee for sure now tell me about you know you mentioned Smith um that was the second stop of the year and it was the worst finish you've had this season um Tell me about Smith, like going into it, and then uh, you know thoughts after the event. Well, you know, Smith, I, I don't have a ton of experience on Smith, but I do have enough experience, and like I, I've always been able to fare pretty well, cash checks there, and um, 
But this year, for some reason, across the board, when we got out of Florida, even coming back home and fishing in between events, the fishing, the weather, it, it seemed like everything was really behind schedule this year on, yeah. on the lakes around home. Um, so, you know, traditionally, that time of the year, from my experience on Smith, you're, I mean, the spotted bass are starting to really push to the bank and start spawning. And I have a, I have a lot of experience fishing that way. So going into the to practice, I really felt like, you know, I kind of would, would have a, a handle on what was going on. But once practice started, it was very obvious, like, it wasn't real easy to get bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it, fish weren't biting super great. So my practice was very mediocre, I would say. So I knew go, after the, you know, going into the tournament, like, I was going to have to make every bite count and hope that I would just get some decent bites, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that first morning, about an hour or two into the first morning, I'm thinking, like, I'm just going to have to catch enough to survive this event, too, <laughs> you know, because it was tough to get. I mean, in that, that slot limit, up until this year, they've always allowed – um, tournament organizations to change the the size limit there yep. from uh, it's fifteen to to twelve. Well, they the, you know the state Alabama state has has taken that option out for tournament organizations, so it's a fifteen inch limit. So it, I mean, I caught a lot of fish, but a fifteen inch just eluded eluded me. So after that event, I'm like, oh my gosh, man. I think I tried to do too much in that event and tried to, what people would say, swing for the fences. And, oh, and, okay. You know, um, I should have just stuck a bait I had confidence in my hand and just ground out five bites, five keeper bites, and, and let that go. Because, I mean, if I'd have weighed five fish the first day and five fish the second day, just keeper fish, I would have done a lot better. I think I only weighed, I think I weighed three the first day and, or the second day or something like that. Um, and having five was crucial in that tournament, you know. For sure, for sure. So, so going back to that tournament, I would have just, looking back on it, I would have just stuck a confidence bait in my hand and just ground out five keeper bites. Now, the, uh, the thing I like and, and the interesting thing is, you know, then we turn to Murray and uh, – all of a sudden, it's like you right the ship. You know, you, you finish 34th at Murray. You make the day three cut. Um, it seemed like a good. It seemed like a good event. And at that point, were you starting to get the hang of, uh, I guess, like how to manage your practice and and how you felt like, you know, maybe you need to trust your instincts more or whatever it was. Did it feel like things were starting to click a little more with a couple tournaments under your belt at that point? It, it it did. It's. I told my wife. It's like, you know, going going back to like looking forward to the season and like thinking about practicing and all that. You know, I thought, well, I don't have to really practice much different than I normally do for you know event. But as the season has progressed, I'm really learning there is there is some some differences in how you need to practice for a, a multi day event now, in how you need to. Um, 
you know, a lot of guys think, oh, you just go to the same spot, same area, and catch the fish. That's very rarely do we get to, like, go to one point or one pocket or, you know, one river ledge or whatever, and fish last for two or three, four days. It just doesn't work out. You really have to go off your gut feeling more than you do in a local local event and you know um so yeah after you know after after smith and then after murray you know i was get starting to think like okay I, I'm, I'm starting to understand more of how to practice for these events um and how to manage the fish as well um but then if you move on and you may be fixing to move on to you follow oh you yeah see, carry me along man <laughs> you know, you see, I kind of did not fare fare well at Eufaula, which I was, you know, when I looked at the schedule at the beginning of the season, like, I, you know, that's the, that's the one I pointed out, like, you know, I've got that one under control because I spent a tremendous amount of time uh, down there. But there again, the weather this year has really screwed things up. And what I've learned more than anything this year is like, in this, in this level of competition, you can't be, like, so stubborn you're going to do it your way no matter what, you know. <laughs> right, And, like, right. you follow. <laughs> I, I went into practice thinking, this is how I'm going to fish this event, and it doesn't matter. We're gonna, I, know how, I know how to fish. You follow. Mm-hmm. Well, I was too stubborn to change, and you can't be that. At, at this level, you can't do that. You've got to be able to completely change your game plan at the drop of a hat and you know you can go back and research you follow very rarely in may is you follow is the top 10 guys going to be on the bank fishing at you follow oh yeah man. Gonna like, be, it's going to be i was just as caught off guard by how that tournament shook out not that i didn't think guys were going to catch on the bank because you know we've had right. Well, I guess, you know, they used to be FLW Tour events, but we had a couple there in May, and sure, guys caught some on the bank. I remember watching Gussie mm-hmm. catch some on a popper around brim beds. Um, Lucas right. caught a big one off a of bed one time down by the dam, like an eight-pounder or something on the third day of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen stuff like yep. that happen, but I was 100% focused that, that that brush bite, that offshore bite, especially on that lower end of the lake, was going to be the deal just because it – like you said, it's proven itself year in and year out that that's what happens. That's That's where those fish are. That's right. And, and I've got so much experience at that. And you know, I put all of my, even in pre-practice, I've meant spent two days of pre-practice down there and put like 25 hours on my motor, just idling marking offshore places. And, um, that just, it, that was not going on. It just was not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, Trevor, Trevor obviously had found a couple of magical little brush piles that was, you know, producing for him. But overall, you know, that, that bite was non, non-existent. Yeah. And I yep. just, like, was too stubborn to change. I mean, I, I'm very confident fishing shallow. I just, you know, I put all my eggs in the basket of the offshore game. And, and you can't do that in this game. You can't. It's all right. If it's not working, you've got to be open enough to change. And that was a very hard lesson <laughs> that you follow. 
for me. Well, you know, to to that point in the season, I feel like again as a rookie, like you've kind of you've got a little taste of everything, right? You've you've you got to ride the roller coaster a little bit, some you know tough finishes, some decent finishes. You've learned some things, but then you rolled to the Potomac, and uh, you know having never been there before, how did you tackle that practice, and how did you dial in? You know how you wound up ca- catching your fish. You know. I- you know, we have so much access to, to past history and, and tournament. I did a lot of, you know, you know, I did a lot of studying um, for for the Potomac. And, you know, I, I made the trip up there for pre-practice and practiced for two and a half days um, for pre-practice just to familiarize myself with the lake and kind of learn, you know, I wrote down all of the, predominantly all of the, you know, areas on the lake that, has been tournaments have been won in and kind of familiarized myself with it rode around and looked at those and um you know everything you read it's either grass or hard cover is what people fish there yep so in pre-practice i rode around and looked um and tried to find the best grass you know areas that had the best grass and um and i fished them you know chatterbait is obviously uh like one of the key baits that always does well up there. Um, so I just, you know, I have a lot of history on Gunnersville with, with grass. Um, so I just took some of my knowledge of gut fishing grass at Gunnersville and different baits that I use up there and started, you know, fishing the grass there on the Potomac and kind of dialed in a few areas that I could get bid in and, started rotating through some baits that, you know, I could get bites on and just started running with it from there. The, the thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were telling me that you had, uh, you had like a spot you could catch basically like a, a decent lemon in Quantico, right? And then you would run down south to acquire. Yes. Yeah. I had a, I had a little, um, little stretch in Quantico. Actually, I had two stretches in Quantico. The first, very first day, I only caught one off of it, but it was almost, it was like a three and a half pounder the first day. And then the second stretch in Quantico, there was a lot of fish there. There was another competitor that, uh, he didn't make the fourth day, but he made the, um, the third, he made the third day cut. And me and him were kind of sharing. We just kind of, you know, agreed I mean, it was about a 300-yard stretch. He took 150 yards of it, and I took 150 yards of it. And um, he done really well on his his end of the stretch, and I done really well on my end of the stretch. But I could catch, like I said, I don't think – the first day I caught three – I had 14-something the first day, and I caught three of the wayfish off that stretch and only fished it for about an hour. And then I went back on the second day, and I caught 12 and a half pounds on it and then made my way down to Aquia and that second day I caught like two five pounders down there in Aquia. Yeah and those and especially this time around on the Potomac like those are gold. Like though that caliber bite, those yeah. four mid four and a half, four three quarter, five pound bites, those are those are the deal, yeah. man. So you're obviously around That's like right. a really yeah, good definitely. caliber of fish down there. Yeah. Um 
I knew that there was um, good fish hanging out in that area. I mean, it was about a, I don't know, it was about a half a mile stretch maybe. Maybe not quite that much, but, I mean, it was a big, big stretch of grass. Um, and for some reason, um, you know, I don't know much about the Potomac, but the stretch that I was fishing, a couple of the fish I caught were had coal marks in their mouth. So I don't know if they had a lot of tournaments out of a choir or what, but it was obviously an area that a lot of fish were, were either moving through as they transitioned out to the river or just a place in that creek where a lot of fish just kind of hung out. There was a lot of fish there, and there were a lot of quality fish there. Yeah, and the, sure. the interesting thing to me, especially on, like, days one and two of the event, was, like, Aquia had some pressure from guys in the tournament. But for the most part, like, <coughs> obviously Jacopo Galelli down in Potomac Creek, he was really one of the only guys fishing down there. And then you go up to Aquia. Right. I mean, it was like you, Lawson Hibden, um, I guess uh, uh, Justin Cooper was fishing around there. Like, I mean, it was a handful of guys, but a handful of guys that made the top 10 uh, just really right. banking on that quality down there. I, I was more surprised that there wasn't uh, the sights of like Chickamuxin or Belmont on day on days one and two where there's like 50 right. dudes loaded in there. It was actually, you kind of had some of that yeah. stuff to yourself. The stretch I had um, in Aquia, I had all to myself. There was, um, I think Cody Pike came in on the third day and fished some um, on the stretch that I was fishing. But other than that, I never had another, another, one of our competitors in there on um, the third the third day i had um a couple of local boats come in and and they caught they caught some fish uh only but other than that i pretty much had it to myself which is it's a really impressive thing and normally that finding something different on the potomac like and it doesn't even need to be really uh you know a different type of grass or a different type of hardcover it's just somewhere that people aren't fishing uh, and it's it's really right. impressive that that kind of turned out to be the case, especially this time around with several of the top ten. Because like Shin Fukai fished around almost the entire field, and Chickamuxin almost the entire event, you know. And uh, some of these other guys were just uh, camped in an area and just making it work. And you kind of found that sweet spot uh, that you had all to yourself, and you had kind of a uh, interesting assortment of baits. A lot of guys were throwing a chatterbait this time around, like you said. That's Mm-hmm. no secret uh really anytime you're on grass but they really like eating that thing in the potomac but uh right. you also threw uh well you uh, you threw a ultra vibe speed worm uh was it the mag mm-hmm. speed worm or a regular speed worm it was the mag speed worm uh, okay the first the first couple of days and even in practice I, I really that mag speed worm really wasn't a player until like the third day Later um, in the event, the, I got you. In practice, yeah. The first, you know, the first couple – in practice and then the first couple of days of the tournament, I could catch them on a chatterbait and I could catch them on a uh, – I was throwing a mega bass spark shad, green pumpkin, and a shad color uh, swim bait on a, you know, a, a belly-weighted um, bladed hook. And um, that – for I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me why that would fade. <laughs> And it made, it, you know, it just kind of, I picked up that speed worm and, and started throwing some, and I 
I was getting a few little bit better bites with that speed worm. And I thought, hmm. So that, that third day when I picked it up, I mean, the first fish I caught was almost a three pounder, um, two something, but I thought, hmm. So I just, that third day I stuck it in my hand and, and, and really, uh, fished it a lot. And, you know, um, it just really—I just was getting some good bites on it. Now I don't want to pick at a scab, but there is a clip of you losing a good fish, um, and I know—I know there were some other lost fish in that tournament. Um, uh, you had whether I don't know how big they were or whatever, but um, I mean, was it like a? Uh, were they biting the bait weird, or was it like uh, you were breaking them off, or you know what? What was the case no. there? You know, um, no, I, that, you know, I don't, I really honestly, I'm bad about boat flipping fish. I, <laughs> and, and I fish some, I, I'm fishing some other trails that I you can't use the net in. And, um, so I had, I had boat flipped everything and I hooked that fish up and it, you know, I knew immediately when it bit and I set back into it, I knew it was a good fish. And then when I first saw it, I said, yep, that's a good fish, you know, and it, and I'm fighting it and it, and I, and the water's pretty clear in there. And I saw the fish, it was nose to the boat coming straight up like it was going to jump. So, you know, I ready the rod and I knew it was going to jump. So I was just going to kind of, when it jumped, I was just going to, and I think I just put a little bit too much pressure on it and pulled the hook out of its mouth. I got you. Um, you know, um, in the moment, it seemed like the right thing to do because um, you never want to throw slack in your line, you know, and to keep that pressure on that fish, I was going to have to, if it jumped, I was going to have to keep the pressure on it. So my thinking in that moment was to just go ahead and boat flip it in. Um, but it obviously wasn't the right decision. <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah, that one, that one, I really, that one, Man, that one stung because I thought it was really going to, that one, I knew that day, I knew, I thought I needed 14 pounds and I knew I had right around 12 pounds and I had like a pound, a 180 in the boat. Um, so I knew if I got a four pound bite, that would more than likely put me in the cut for Sunday. I gotcha. When I lost that, when I lost that fish, I, I thought that was going to, that was going to seal my fate. You know, it was going to knock me out of making but fortunately we we squeaked in there <laughs> well you did and and you know in doing so um points wise you know that has you sitting 43rd overall which is actually uh you know like we we talked about that roller coaster you've kind of ridden so far uh i mean that's sitting pretty good man with one event left like uh, you know you're eyeing up a shot uh right now i believe you'd qualify for the title uh i can't I haven't looked recently for how many double qualifiers are in there at the moment, but, uh, right. I mean, it, at this point, like, dude, it's been a pretty good season. Yeah. You know, I, I really would like those two events back at Smith and you follow, but that's, that's the way the ball rolls. Um, uh, I, I'm putting a little bit of, uh, put a little bit of pressure on myself to go to the St. Lawrence and, and have a, you know, a good, a good finish. I have never, I've never fished on a smallmouth uh, fish, you know, predominantly smallmouth fishery like the St. Lawrence. I did after I left the Potomac. I rode up, uh, rode up there for a couple of days and kind of found the boat ramps and 
and rode up and down the lake just to kind of familiarize myself with it. Uh, I'm hoping to get to go back and, and pre-practice. I don't know if I will or not, but um, I'm doing a lot of studying, and hopefully I can go up there and have a, a decent event. I'd love to make that top ten again. Uh, but. Um, <laughs> Go up there and at least have a decent event and move up into that top 40 because that was one of the goals of the year was to make that championship. Now, so, have you been watching the Bass Pro Tour event and uh, at least for throughout the qualifying rounds and the knockout round, I mean, dudes are smashing big smallmouths. You know, they're yeah, they're cracking them. I mean, they are absolutely cracking them. I hope it's half that good when we get up there, <laughs> you know. Uh, so... Um, it, I, it's, you know, the St. Lawrence is obviously, you know, chock full of, of big smallmouth. So, um, I just hope it's, you know, good when we get up there and I can figure out a little something to, to, uh, do well there. Well, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's some of the prettiest country, prettiest lakes I've ever been on for sure. Oh man. It is, uh, I've never, I've never been to Messina, but I've covered several, um, series events out of Clayton, which is out by the lake. And, uh, yeah, right. it's of places that we travel to for tournaments. It's definitely up there, like top five of coolest scenery. Um, just Absolutely. even driving around the towns, uh, like if you're not on the Absolutely. water, it's still just as cool as when you're out there and, uh, you know, the water's clear, there's big small mouse, there's islands everywhere. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different thing and it's, it's kind of cool. Also the interesting thing, uh, for this event is there there are guys in the field that absolutely have experience um up there especially on that end of that lower portion of the river um but for as a whole a lot of you guys are going to be pretty fresh to the saint lawrence so it's one of the unique times that we have a pro circuit event where i would say the majority of the field hasn't actually ever really been there before um and that's kind of rare, you know, like we go to Okeechobee, 90% of the dudes have fished there at some point before, you know what I mean? Or had old pro circuit right. events there. Right. And, uh, that's kind of, I think another cool aspect of this is, yeah, there'll be some guys that know some areas to check and, you know, maybe know where some of them smallmouths get, uh, when they're done spawning, but also it's going to be a lot of guys putting fresh eyes on the river and we'll probably see some things that we haven't seen before, um, which is also kind of cool, especially, you know, for the folks listening that are going to follow along on live, um, you know, it could be, right. could be a really cool thing to keep an eye on. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I, I like, you know, um, I, I didn't really know those stats that a lot of the guys hadn't, hadn't thought. I, I really thought most of the guys on the, on the tour would probably have been there of some extent, you know, um, but, you know, I'm always get excited about going to lakes I've never been to, you know, um, because you you don't have any kind of preconceived um, notions or you know you you yeah. for me it just I, I fish fish a lot freer so I'm excited about going up there for sure and uh, you know the the two days I spent up there after the Potomac you know it's I mean the first day I put my boat in. Somehow I figured out how to catch like 26 pounds of small, small <laughs> yeah. the first day. So I, I knew right quick that that's a special, special fishery for sure. So looking forward to going up there. 
Now, speaking of small mouse, I do need to ask you, uh, have you ever played around uh, catching some of them tail race small mouse on like, uh, you know, Pickwick or anything? Like, you ever caught any of them big magnum-sized Tennessee River small mouse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, for the most part, that's where my small mouth experience comes from is, is uh, Pickwick Lake, you know, and I, and I, I've got a lot of experience uh, fishing for those. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, it, there's definitely a difference from what I, the two days I spent up there on the St. Lawrence. There, there's definitely a different way um, of targeting those fish on St. Lawrence than, than oh, yeah. Um, at Pickwick for sure. A bass is a bass pretty much anywhere, but. I, there's very much a difference between like a northern strain smallmouth and like a uh, mm-hmm. southern smallmouth, uh, especially yeah. Tennessee River. Like even if you take the St. Lawrence as a river, obviously Pickwick River, th- I they're they're different beasts. So, uh, but I gotta imagine like what's your biggest smallmouth you caught on Pickwick? Uh, I've got. I'm... I've never broke. I, I didn't. I had never broken six pounds until um, the other day when I went up to the St. Lawrence. So oh. I mean, I've got a lot of them in between five, five and I, you know, twenty-five and six. Never broke the six pound until the other day. Okay. Wow. See, I would. Uh, I brought it up because I was going to guess that um, the St. Lawrence is a place that most everyone that goes there will catch your PB smallmouth more than likely. But yeah. you guys that fish yeah. Pickwick or have experience on Pickwick catch some just stupid ridiculous giants uh and if you it skews the results because uh you know i've talked to guys that have come up and fished the northern division to the toyota series and you know they're from that area in the back oh yeah i mean i caught a seven and a half you know two years ago like good lord that's a giant small well you know you may not catch that up there but uh yeah catching five pounders and six pounders uh very doable in the day of fishing so uh, that'll be kind of yeah. a cool one. Now, do you have plans to hang out there yeah. afterwards? Um, or do you got a boot scoop back down to Alabama, uh, after that pro circuit event? You know, I, I don't know. I hadn't looked that far ahead. I, I probably, um, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see. My wife's going to travel with me on, on that event and, uh, she may want to sightsee some and I may can talk her into visiting some of the other, um, fisheries up there There, there's several lakes up there that i've always wanted to uh to fish on so oh yeah man um i don't know yet so i don't know maybe maybe we you know do really well in that event and uh, we may hang around for a while hey there you go uh worst case the point i was going to bring up uh you know which you could pass along to your wife is uh a all kinds of cool stuff to do up there but b it's like probably a million degrees in Alabama in July and it's like gorgeous up there in New York. And, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, you could wear a hoodie in the morning, still get like, you know, shorts and a t-shirt during the day. It's just, it seems like a better place to be than, uh, summer in the South. (laughs) But that's also coming from a guy from Minnesota that hates the heat. So, (laughs) you know, it's a little skewed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the weather was nice up there uh, after the Potomac um, a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever that was. Um, yep. I think it was 44 degrees one morning, 
you know, I was like, wow. But then it then it quickly warmed up to like seventy five, and it was like perfect. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't yep. ask for you couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'm, I may I may be sticking around an extra day or two. So if you're sticking around an extra day or two, maybe we go catch a smallmouth or something. Worst case. Shoot, I'm I'm, I'm down. Twi- twist your arm enough, right? Stick <laughs> no, you don't even have to do that. We may just plan on that anyway. Oh man, I uh, no, nah, it'll, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good way uh, to end the season too. Now, uh, have yeah. you thought about, you know, if you make the title, uh, it's there out of Lacrosse on the Mississippi River. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever ventured to the uh, that upper stretch of the Mississippi before? I have not. You know, I'm my most of my term experiences has been in you know the southeastern part of the United States. I you know I fished in Missouri and uh, quite a bit in Texas and the Carolinas and you know, but you know th- this year is really pushing, expanding my um, experience in the northern fisheries for sure. Well, and it seems like uh, you know you have been able to adapt well uh though i I think growing up uh in alabama kind of sets you up for success in a lot of ways right like you guys can fish clear water you can fish grass you can fish offshore you know you can punch mats you can frog like you can you can do it all right that's why a lot of guys a lot of pro anglers come from down there because a you have the Right. Lakes that a lot of tournaments go on, you could get experience with that. But also you guys have a pretty good diversity of of stuff to cut your teeth on. And I think you've done a really good job this year of taking that stuff you've learned and, and uh adapting it to bodies of water that you aren't familiar with, you know? Or at least finding a way to maybe make them feel like home. Like you talked about the Potomac and Gunnersville, right? Like right. there's similarities right. and I, I think yeah. uh I, I my hat's off to you for doing that because a lot of rookies that's the struggle you know that's the thing that that yeah. stubs their toe and, and has them sitting you know triple digits and points at this point in the season right yeah i think i mean i do going in and i'm learning it more and more in this game and traveling all over the country to different parts of the country and different lakes and stuff the biggest thing is just like what i talked about like uh you follow is like you really um got to be open-minded and be willing to do a lot of different things, even if it's not in your comfort zone. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I think if you just just lean on what you're comfortable, it, it, you're going to struggle some. And and just like at Smith, when I done what I did, and then you follow, that's that's proven. Like I just did what I was comfortable with, what I wanted to do, and you're not always going to have success doing it that way. And it, you just, for most guys that have experience, like whether it's the Potomac or uh, Okeechobee, you have to take some experience that you've had and, and figure out how to get you some bites to give you a little bit of confidence to, the, you know, um, give you the confidence to get some, some bites so that you don't go out there like, it's easy to if you go to like if a, if a rookie goes to the Potomac and he wants to fish a certain way and he can't get bit that way, it's easy to get spun out. Oh yeah. Then when you get spun out, oh, yeah. when you get spun out, 
it just it messes you up big time. So no matter where I go, I try to like find some technique that I have confidence in and get some bites, and then expand on that as as the practice goes or the tournament goes on. So I think if a guy does that, you know that's that's been the key to my success this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, besides mm-hmm. the two local events and. I promise I learned my lesson from those, those <laughs> Smith and you follow for sure. Which, you know, it's okay to, uh, uh, you know, stub your toe and, and it's good that, uh, you at least, uh, you know, are recognizing things that went wrong. And, and like I said, it, even though it's been an up and down season, um, I think as a whole right now, like it's been a heck of a rookie campaign for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I, I am happy with it. Um, that that event at Potomac was much needed. It, you know, uh, the points were great. The check was good, uh, but the confidence boost that that gave me is you can't take that away. I mean, that that for me that was worth it all. Just the confidence that like, hey, settle down, settle down, and catch some fish. You know how to catch fish. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Just, yep. You know, keep your mind keep your mind open and settle down. And you know that's what we're going to try to finish the season off strong and do it well uh i think uh before i let you go josh there's a handful of things i want to rattle off at you just kind of random questions first and foremost is yeah. um you know driving especially to the st lawrence uh <laughs> from your home in alabama is a little bit of a haul so uh what what kind of snack guy are you when it comes to like road snacks or beverages uh do you got any like go-to's that you have to have not really, man. I'm I'm just whatever hits me now. I will tell you, I probably need to buy stock in like five hour energy because <laughs> <laughs> I do drink drink those quite often. But you know, as far as snack goes, uh, I'm not really not a one one snack type guy. Okay, I eat a lot of dried mangoes. Oh, maybe, dude, maybe dried mangoes. Yeah, I love me some dried mango. That's like uh, yeah. Jody and I's on the water snack, um, pretty much yeah. day in and day out. One of us will go load up on some, hand it out to the other guy, and we're good to go. So if you're ever hard pressed for some mango, uh, find me or Jody. We'll hook Eat you up. up. Yeah. <laughs> what about? Um, do you have any superstitions when it comes to fishing? Like, are there any rituals you have to do the night before, or like, do you wear the same underwear uh, the next day if you had a good day the day before, anything like that? I really don't. Um, I used to have a, a hat superstition. I mean, when I would get on a run of, of good finishes or wins, I would, there's, you know, and I was wearing a certain hat, I'd wear that every event, you know. Oh. Um, that's, you know, as of lately, I hadn't really applied that as much. <laughs> that's uh, Brian Thrift uh, was kind of that way. Like he'd wear that yep. old nasty Demiki yep. hat. But I don't yep. – sometimes he wouldn't wear it in practice. It would be like a tournament day thing. He also had an Evan Rude one that was pretty yeah. gnarly. But, yeah, I I could uh, I could get behind yeah. that. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's the final thing I wanted to ask. You mentioned earlier that, you know, growing up, uh, you know, turkey hunting, deer hunting, uh, are you still into hunting? Like, do you still like to go deer hunting? you still try to chase a turkey around when you're not bass fishing? Uh, man, I – Deer hunting is really my heart and soul. I, I love I love deer hunting. I mean, that's it. It 
I love it. Um, turkey hunting, I do love that, but you know, it really interferes with the fishing. So I don't get to do that as much anymore. Uh, but I still try to try to deer hunt as much as I can. I, my, my daughter loves it. So I love taking her and, uh, my son's getting to where he, he's going to want to go. So, uh, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I still do that for sure. So is that kind of, uh, I'm always intrigued about guys, you know, in the fall, there's like a contingent of anglers that keep fishing as much as possible. And then you have guys that are cool with taking time off of not being in the boat and going in the woods. Is that kind of like how you foresee this off season going to, uh, you know, heading into next year? Spend some time. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I've definitely last year with, with, you know, the extension of tournament season all the way through like the championship in December, I didn't get to go as much because, you know, I was preparing for the championship, uh, trying to get the, the new boat in, get it rigged and ready, top sponsorship things. So I didn't really get to spend much time in the, I actually think last year, my daughter killed one, but uh, actually last year is the first time since I started hunting that I never um, I never pulled the trigger. It was last wow. year. So, yeah. So, uh, and we love, we love to eat venison. Um, so we try to put a, two or three in, in the freezer every year, and we only got to put one, and that was because of my daughter last year. So... <laughs> Me and her may try to um, improve on that this year. Yeah, I think so, you should be able okay. to do that. Because like you said, last year, uh, I, I'm a big waterfowl hunter. Uh, I love eating venison, yes. but I don't deer hunt. Uh, I'll chase ducks around. That's right. But yeah, also put a serious cramp uh, in my waterfowl season because uh, <laughs> them dang tournaments yeah. just kept rolling. <laughs> kept rolling, that's for sure. Uh, that is for sure. Well, uh here's what i'm getting at so i live in iowa now uh so maybe at oh, some wow. point we get you up here to to go on a deer hunt because uh i got some i got some spots uh that i do not deer hunt though have big deer on them uh but i'm looking to get in on some of that alabama turkey hunt i want to shoot me a turkey in alabama man you all you have to do is say the word i've got the place i've got the place that is absolutely loaded with turkeys it's got deer on it too, but it's uh, it's uh, got a, I mean, a crap load of turkeys. So <laughs> we can definitely make that happen. And and just so you just so you know, Iowa is my bucket list place to go deer hunt. Oh, so, is it now? Well, yeah. look at that. Yeah, yeah. So Josh, you, you and I just became best friends. <laughs> <laughs> we will make it happen. Yeah, man. I think we uh, yeah. See, we'll well when we get the schedule come out for next year, we'll find a time when I'm in your neck of the woods, hopefully during Turkey season. And um, then we'll figure out, uh, you might need a year or two of applying to get enough preference points to get a tag, but uh, you know, we could probably get the groundwork laid anyway. Hey, let's do it. Well, uh, Josh, with that, man, I think uh, I've talked your ear off enough. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Anything else uh, you want the folks listening to know, or uh, you should also tell them where they can follow you uh, on social media for the rest of the season and the rest of your career. Yeah, on, on Facebook is uh, Josh Bragg Fishing, and I have a Josh Bragg uh, Facebook page, and then uh, my Instagram uh, is at Josh Bragg Fishing or JM Bragg Fishing. Um, so yeah, you can follow me there. Be posting 
some uh, videos and uh, I hate to say this, but I, I can't remember my YouTube channel. Uh, I guess it's just Josh <laughs> Brack Fishing. My, my, my yeah. wife and, and uh, my camera guy run, runs that uh, runs the the YouTube channel. I just can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's under Josh Brack Fishing. Yeah, I feel like if you type that in, it'll probably uh, take you to the right place. Pop up, yeah. So, <laughs> hopefully, we'll have some content up there and some. Um, maybe some posts on some good finishes at the end of the season. Well, uh, I know we got a little bit of a calm here before, uh, before that season finale of the pro circuit up there on the St. Lawrence. Um, but, uh, you know, you got my number. If you ever want to talk, uh, deer or Turkey or whatever, holler at me. Otherwise here in a couple of weeks, man, we'll see you up, uh, in one of the most beautiful places in the country, uh, on the St. Lawrence. And, uh, We'll uh we'll see how your season season ends and see if uh, we can start talking about lacrosse a little bit. That sounds good, Kyle. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks again, Josh. Folks, go follow him uh, on the socials. And uh, Josh, safe travels north, man. So, Kyle, uh, we are now almost done with the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit season. The yeah, that's uh, wild. Let's see, fifth event of the year wrapped up fifth on event. the Potomac. Which, yeah. like, there being five events done feels right. The fact that there's only one more before the title is kind of wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess we have all sorts of things to talk about from that event. What do you want to start with? Well, I, probably, uh, I guess folks don't know by now, uh, Jacopo Galelli won it. Uh, he had 65 pounds, 3 ounces. Uh, smashed 20 pounds even on the final day. I think he started the final day in sixth. And yeah, so glad he had a camera too. Like, one, so glad he had a live camera. Two, so glad we made the call for you to be on him. Cause, yeah. Like, yeah. I guess there was, I don't know if there was a reasoning ahead of time why we had you on him or not. Like, it felt right. Like, it was like, what? oh, this is the decision we're going to make. It feels good. But. It wasn't like I was like, oh, he's definitely going to win or something. Yeah, yeah. It, well, on the day, my thinking too was like the day before he he caught a bunch of fish fairly early, or there was you know there was a definite window where he yeah, was, it was like, like worst case you're going to get there and he'll catch them and you'll be like, all right, got some good fish catches. Yeah, have fun. Maybe make the top five. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get a couple of fish catches, move on with life. Uh, go get on you know one of the other top five guys and see what's happening, but. Uh, Four pounders just kept like flying in the boat, and so I just kept hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting on Neil like almost the whole time, watching him, and I I keep whispering to my boat driver, Kaleli caught another four pounder. He's got seventeen pounds. Like it's like holy smokes, what is this guy doing? Like I don't know when. I legit don't know when the last time someone caught a twenty pound bag solo on the Potomac is. Like, even in team tournaments, that was a huge amount from mm-hmm. the spawn on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. he crushed them. The The wild thing, too, is like, so we ran down, uh, we beat Jacopo to a spot, right? And yeah. We pull down, and he comes around the corner and kind of idles by, by me, tells me where he's going to go. He was very particular about... He's very particular. You know, staying off of the grass line or it's basically a milfoil edge uh and he didn't want us too close to that which is you know i get it yeah it's fair it's also like not that 
not to take anything away from his win, because obviously he had a really good spot and he was fishing his bait in a unique manner. It was also not anything that the Potomac hasn't seen before. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that was one yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that was like, all right, well, we know how the Potomac works. This is good. Mm-hmm. And, and it was more, I think the, the crazier aspect of it was the fact that he, he was the only guy fishing down there, really. And, and really the only guy fishing that spot, too. Yeah. Uh, which is seems like such a rarity to be able to camp on something like that every day of competition without anyone bugging <laughs> bugging you on the Potomac. That's uh, goes a that's pretty way. wild. But he pulls in on the final day, and <laughs> I get my camera out. I took a few photos of him, like running in, kind of getting things situated, and I'm like looking down at my screen, looking at a couple of the photos, and I look back up, and the dude's already hooked up. Now it was like a two pounder, but I'm like, holy crap! I asked my boat driver, I'm like, how many casts did he make? He's like, I think that was the second one. I'm like, oh, okay, well, better get ready. Well, like two casts later, he catches a four-pounder, and then it just kind of, like, went from there. Just snowballed. Holy cow. Things yeah. are happening here, Jacopo. Um, and he was such a blast to watch. Uh, I'm sure anyone that watched live, uh, like, oh, he, he had to fired chuckle up. watching some, <laughs> some of the... Yeah, the dude was raring to go, and, and he knew he was doing something it, uh, pretty special. If you were watching live, you probably watched a lot of him on live and then Michael Neal on live. And <laughs> I don't know that maybe like Mike Canelli and Michael Neal would have been more polar opposites on live. <laughs> yeah. But yep. like you had limited options for who could be more different than Michael Neal. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was pretty stark contrast. Yeah, that was that was wild. Um, but yeah, man, he smashed him. It was interesting. So like day one, I... Started in Aquia, covered some people in there, ran down to Potomac, and Jason Vance was out of the mouth in, like, literally the best-looking grass in the entire system, mm-hmm. uh, not catching fish. And then I was like, well, I don't see anyone else in here. I guess we'll go in a little further. We'll see what we see. Well, I see Jacopo. I'm like, well, we'll pull on in on him. He has, like, 12 pounds or something. As When I pull in on him, set up, he immediately catches, like, three more like good ones and calls up to like close to 15 pounds or something so it's like well dang good for you Jacopo yeah and uh then I might have seen Dion Hibden which in day five by the way Jacopo <laughs> pronounces Dion Hibden's name <laughs> on an amazing way you gotta watch it to get it I guess um but like I also saw Mike Sermon flipping a duck blind and like I'm pretty sure that was it in Potomac Creek and now, like, we've had, what, have the last two tour events we've had, like, tour slash pro circuit, were they both won in Potomac Creek now? Because um, Wendlet won a lot of, and he caught, like, a bunch of fish in Chickamauxin, but he also caught a lot of fish in Potomac. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, I guess other than Monsoor? Oh, yeah, Monsoor did. Anyway, so I guess what I'm two, saying is... Two of the last three. Maybe the locals should start running down to Potomac Creek a little bit more. Dude, uh, I, I feel like the couple, of, like my boat driver, it's not and that the, far away either. And the other guy were like, "Oh yeah, I never run down this far." Like, dudes, <laughs> it's, like, it's dude, not on Champlain, guys were like, "Yeah, well, I ran thirty-five miles," and right, it's like <laughs> I don't know, like people run seventy miles on Kentucky Lake all the time. Like, I don't. The guys in the Potomac are like, "I'm going to go to Belmont and go in a circle." Which, look, it works, obviously, but right. I yeah. wonder if maybe Potomac Creek, maybe Nanjimoy, maybe some of these other 
places should start getting some more local pressure because, man, for the Derby down there, like, there was some good-looking water in there. Obviously, Yakupo found some great-looking water. Yep. And, I mean, nobody, uh, there was nobody there. I will say, very likely, next tour event we have there, next pro circuit, whatever, probably get some pretty good traffic. Probably, yeah. Um, a buddy of mine who's local there, I was like, so, he's like, yeah, I knew, I knew where all the guys were fishing except Jacopo. I'm like, all right. So, that was, <laughs> and here's the thing, the fact that he found that, he went up there, he did, you know, he pre-practiced. I don't know if he would have found it in just two days of regular practice, but. Yep. That he found that, that the fish were still there. I mean, what a feat, man. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is. It's kind of that uh, perfect storm of things. Like, he had such a terrible pre-practice. It was bad weather. He found it that grass on uh, his side imaging. Went back to, or, and then he caught two. He caught, like, a four and a three. And was like, oh, this might be good. But, you know, that's several weeks before this. And uh, lo and behold, boom. Biggs just kept showing up. Turned out it was good. Yeah. It does look really good, too, because, like, there's a creek next to it. You've got, like, it's out near kind of the mouth of the actual creek anyway. So, like, theoretically, fish would filter out toward the main river. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it just feel it's a, it looks like a dang good spot. Oh, it looks super, super juice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like it's in a good area. It feels like you're in a spot where you got fish coming to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, and it, it's kind of, it was kind of cool, like, seeing on his, uh, like, on 360, the tip of it, like, it, it there's not, like, a visual, uh, I guess probably at low tide you can see it a little better, but on that, uh, we were fishing, like, an incoming tide, and, but the milfoil makes, like, a little point underwater, you know, it's only three and a half, four feet of water, uh, but it just, then it, like, the grass just stops. And if you're just looking at it visually, like, you would never really assume that that existed where it does. Uh, and so, I mean, he really, like, he dialed it in. He knew exactly where to go, and it was, uh, he just fished down it, and he would idle really wide out past it, go back up top, put his poles down, start fishing back down the thing, usually drifting. Uh, I know the couple times I watched him, he was drifting with the wind, trying not to stay on his trolling motor or... Yeah, trying to be stealth. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, he was very cool. Uh, I guess beyond him, like, Michael Neal fished largely community stuff. Like, he he didn't have much, I would say, to himself. He, again, fished, like, really, really, really well on the Potomac. Just really, really well in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost won. It's with his stuff, like you couldn't reasonably expect the places he was fishing to not have boats on them. Right. But also if they hadn't, then I mean, man, there's uh he's probably giving Yakupo a run for his money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I don't think his spots were gonna not have boats, you know. Yeah. Meyer like just was like, Yeah, give me the boats, baby and <laughs> finished third. Like, Avina was the guy who, like, ran around the most and fished where there were fewer boats the most, which is exactly what you would expect at Adrian Avina on the Potomac. Mm-hmm. But, by gosh, he caught 12 pounds on day three, and that, dude, 
I mean, I guess if you do the math, let's say he catches 15 on day three instead, so that would have brought him to like 63, maybe, let's yep. say. So then he still doesn't win, but, you know, he's all of a sudden like right in the hunt if he catches a big bag on that last day, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and really, like, for Neil, uh, like, Neil finished with 62-14, Jacopo won with 65-3. Neil's weight was, like, kind of pretty, I feel like, spot on with how guys thought the Potomac would fish. Yeah. Neil like, did everything that I think that, like, yeah. was projected to be needed to be done to win the tournament. Mm-hmm. For and, sure. And, you know, Galelli had a huge day. Uh, yeah, because, like, most of these guys were getting, like, uh, one of those four-pound-plus bites a day. Um, like, Lawson did that um, through the first three days, you know, when he led. Uh, and, and for the most part, if you look back at a lot of the guys in the top ten, uh, even, you know, Bragg and I talked about it, like, getting that bigger bite was kind of key, and Neil was doing it, or at least getting – a four plus and like a upper threes fish or something, you know, that kind of helps set your bag apart, but stumbling on five, four pounders on the final day, I probably not a whole lot. Someone else could have done to, to catch him. Like it really just seemed like it was Jacopo's tournament to, to win, but everyone else, like Neil Meyer, uh, Avina, like they all did what they, sh- you know, should do, uh, knew what they need to do to catch fish and, just uh, come up a little short. Yeah. But Neil will win one eventually. Maybe. Probably. We've said that about Cody Meyer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I, so one fun thing about this top ten was literally half of it was rookies. Um, yeah, it's so wild. So Jacopo, rookie obviously. Ricky Robinson, actually technically a rookie, uh, despite being pretty old. I don't know how old Ricky Robinson is, but he doesn't look like a rookie. No, definitely, he might be the oldest rookie uh, in the field this year, maybe. And then you had uh, Justin Cooper, Lawson Hibden, and Josh Bragg, who mm-hmm. also, you know, carried the uh, rookie flag. Uh, it was, it one, it was cool how well all those guys did. And yeah. it was really cool seeing Lawson you know, crush them through two days, but it kind of just, I don't know. I Lawson was like, so not really fishing the grass bite that I had a hard time believing in it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I had a hard time believing he was going to sustain. And if, if he'd been Adrian Avina, I would have been like, Oh yeah, he can keep doing this because he's got spots. And it seemed like he kind of ran out of like, he felt like the bite changed I think he also he might have just run out of fish to a degree. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he was fishing such a small area, and there were a couple other guys sharing water in there, and it just wasn't that hardcover thing. You just don't have enough fish probably trying to get on it or living near it, you know? But there was... And he fished a little bit of grass around there, but it's not like fishing Belmont or Chickamauxin or... Uh, uh, Potomac, or uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Quantico, you know, like those creeks with huge expanses of grass that lots and lots of bass can live in, and you can actually have 
four, five, six, ten, fifteen boats fishing around it, and everyone could keep catching them, kind of thing. Yeah, it, but I mean, he still did awesome for you know making the top ten, and then like it was, I don't know, watching him, watching him lead a tournament was cool. Like he was a chill guy, you know. Yeah, he was. He seemed like like it seems, it feels like. The next time he leads a tournament, which I think, you know, uh, Dion would tell you at some point he's gonna again. And I think mm-hmm. that, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, his history is such that, like, he could probably be pretty good. He could, you know, I don't know if he's gonna win a bunch of Angler of the Year titles, but he seems pretty good. Like, I right. think that, like, the next time he leads a tournament, especially if it's somewhere in the Ozarks or something that is a little he's a little less at sea at, I would say he's not going to be the kind of guy who shies away from closing down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Um, so that was cool. Um, our, uh, our favorites, Spencer Sheffield, Ron Nelson had great tournaments again. Um, yeah, they did. Jason Abram finished 15th. He, uh, continues to be the, uh, second hottest angler alive. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, shout out to, uh, Jason Abram. Um, let's see, let's see, oh, Tom Monsoor did really well, it would have been great if he had caught any fish the rest of the year, <laughs> he's still in 107th, so Tom Monsoor, basically, definitely not going to make the title, but like, God, it was there for him, man. <laughs> that, that really kind of blows my mind, like, I thought, with the, I mean, I just thought he'd catch him this year. I I did it I wonder I kind of want to have him on the podcast because I want to ask like does he feel like he did he mess himself up basically like I wonder uh, have there been times where he just tried too hard or something like that sure because he knew sure. that the title was on his home pond you know what I mean mm-hmm because I could see that being a thing that could he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who spins out easily. At the same time, I could see that being the kind of thing where maybe he just put a little too much pressure on himself to like try to get back and win win at home again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll maybe get to that some other time. Do you want to like talk AOI or whatnot? Because dude, we had some AOI uh, flip ups at this derby. Dude, we definitely should talk some AOI and then probably some ROI, but AOI first. All right, so. Uh, Michael Neal is leading AOI, and yeah. he like. But as a side note, the like donkeys and geese and all sorts of animals are like really vocal this morning. Um, <laughs> the uh, he like actually very well might win AOI too. Like this is, I would say, looks really good for him. We'll mm-hmm. see, but um, so Neal finished second, obviously. Uh, Cole Floyd finished 57th. Um, Skeet Reese finished 42nd. I think for Skeet and and Floyd, I know for Floyd, I think for Skeet, I think those might have been the two worst finishes. Like, either anyone in that top three has had all year. Oh, yeah. Which is startling. Well... I don't know about startling, but it's like 
that changed the game right there. And honestly, mm-hmm. like Cole Floyd saved it for himself to a degree because he kind of caught him on day two. But at the same time, like, you know, they they both opened the door for Neil. Like, Neil was right. He was there. He was close. But if they had done what they usually did, if Skeet or Cole had done what they usually do and finishing like, you know, seventh, we probably wouldn't, you know, quite be talking about, oh, man, Michael Neal's got this thing. But all of a sudden, Michael Neal's got this thing. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. For for reference, uh, Skeet's worst finish prior to the Potomac this year was 32nd. Cole's worst finish was 18th. So Cole's 57th place, like, that kind of gives the magnitude of, like, how big of a stub yeah, toe. How, uh, in the scheme of things, because, like, this race is weird in that it is extremely, extremely tight yeah uh but also like these three are high flying like i don't know if it's a pace that like it's probably not the same pace that morgan and uh and uh and meyer were setting that one year yeah but it feels kind of close uh neil's worst finish is 33rd like he is a if he wins aoi and we'll see what happens at the final event but he might do it and, you know, never – odds are he'll do it and have never finished outside of the top 33. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it – like, so he's got – Neil has 934 points. Skeet in second has 913. So Neil's window – well, A, I guess it hinges on is Skeet fishing, yeah. uh, which is probably something we should find out. Uh, I wonder if he knows yet. I, I don't – I feel like he's leaving. Well, he obviously just finished up the uh, Bass Pro Tour on the St. Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, and I think he said it was like a July. I thought it was like a whole July month of travel in Europe or something like that. Yeah. Maybe we need Joel to, knows. It, we need to find out. Let's put it that we way. We do. Because that obviously would change the game. Cole Floyd in third, 903 points. So Cole is 31 points back of Neil, which... You know, Neil would have to have his worst tournament of the year, basically, and Cole would have to, uh, like, win the dang thing if Neil kept that pace he was going at. So, you know, it's going to be pretty wild. When you get down in the AOI points, I might as well just round out, like, four and five is Ryan Salzman, Justin Lucas. They both have 824 points. Uh, So, you know, 100 and some points back of Neil. Like yeah, not kind of seems like a three three horse race at this yeah, point. Yeah, but okay, read down to sixth though. Jim Tut <laughs> in the top ten in points. Are you kidding me, Jim? J- Jim Tut has been smashing it this dude, year, dude. He has been crushing it this year. It's been so good to see because, dude, he has had some rough years these last couple of years, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, feeling okay. We'll probably have him on. He'll probably talk at length about his health issues. Um, <laughs> sorry in advance folks yeah sorry for that we'll we'll put a content <laughs> warning ahead on that one um but uh yeah it's like dude he is crushing it this year like jeremy yeah. lawyer is doing what you expect out of jeremy lawyer this year like that's great but dude Tut is just killing it it's been a joy to watch well and also shout out to salzman salzy's been uh yeah, having a phenomenal season too yeah like he had a hardcore sophomore slump last year and He's fishing better than he did his rookie year now. I mean, he's killing it. He keeps mm-hmm. ending up in, like, 50th or, like, 49th 
and then smashing them on day three. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and then not quite making the top ten, or like I guess he did make the top ten at the Potomac, I think, or at the uh, at Okeechobee. Okeechobee, um, yeah. Yeah, Ryan, it would make our life easier if you would start in like the top. If you would, you know, get to day three in like the top ten. Just to be honest, it, it helps out coverage. You know, if you're gonna smash them, do it. You know, when we're all definitely paying attention, have an iPad on you, all that jazz. I'd love that. Uh, yeah, you're so. <laughs> For just for reference, uh, Salzman on Okeechobee day three had 22 pounds, which was his biggest weight of the week to make it to the final day. Uh, at Lake Murray, he made the day three cut, had 17 pounds, which was his biggest weight of the week. Uh, didn't make final day, and then at the Potomac weighed 15 pounds three ounces on day three, also his biggest bag of the week. <laughs> yeah. Like, now, granted, at Murray, at least one of those days. I don't know if it was day two or day three. Got some pretty dope photos of him in action. So that one worked out. Yeah, and he did catch like 16-something. I just closed the tab out. But, like, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe at the St. Lawrence Salsi, just, you know, wreck him on day one. Yeah. Or maybe we should just learn and just start on him on day three. I mean, well, yeah, honestly. (laughs) You know what? This is our fault. (laughs) At yeah. St. Lawrence, he'll 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 roll in in like 49th place. He'll have caught you know 21 pounds of swamp a day, and uh, we'll just sit on him and he'll go out and he'll uh, he'll Micah Frazier it and catch like 25 pounds in the first hour. <laughs> yep. And yep. We'll be like, well, good thing we were here. Finally learned. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, it only took us uh, five events. Yeah. Gosh, but yeah, it's a it's an exciting AOI race at the same time. I mean, two pretty good days by Michael Neal's standards, and he has a chance to make it very not exciting, which God would be for per- perfectly his style because he hates excitement. And second, <laughs> it'd be like a huge accomplishment for Neal because he has not won stuff, you know. Yeah. And for him to finally, first of all, for him to finally pull off an AOI title before a win feels like a really fitting thing because he's all about consistency like he has big tournaments on ledge lakes and he's done really well in the potomac but like by and large you know like neil's not a guy who wins tournaments we just know that <laughs> but yeah, yeah i mean it's he's true he's a guy who never has a bad tournament and uh it'd be huge and, and i think to give some more scope to that uh neil's rookie season on the flw tour was in 2012 and he finished 96th in points. 2013, he finished 20th in points. 2014, 7th, then 31st, then 8th, then 11th, and then 14th in 2018. Yeah. So and you could see, like, he got more consistent kind of as the years went on. But it never was, like, scrolling through here uh, at his stats, it was, like, one top 10 a year, maybe two. Um, but, you know, he would make the cup every year. Uh, and then have good tournaments there. Like he'd pump out some top tens, but uh, yeah, that just like his style's just been kind of slow and steady. And uh, you know, now I think he's maybe fixing to break out of that shell, break out of that mold. Yeah, it would be really cool to see it happen. Um, because like Neil is also, I feel like one of the like premier good guys out there. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, from definitely, uh, he's definitely. He's low-key, he doesn't pull up on people, you know, he just 
kind of goes out and gets his job done and catches a lot of fish and like it's fantastic um what else do we want to do we want to talk roi or do we have any do you have any more on aoi um gosh there's so much noise um yeah we should probably mention uh rookie of the year a little bit if only to uh shout out how well clavian johns is doing dude he is crushing this year yeah, so he's got 789 points. He's in 11th overall in AOI. Ty Al is in 28th place. He has 729 points uh, and is the second best rookie. Like, there's obviously room for fluctuation in the rookie of the year race. I think that the St. Lawrence is going to be a challenge for Ty, for. Maybe not for Ty necessarily, but definitely a challenge for Clabian. Not that he couldn't catch him, but mm-hmm. like he doesn't have spot lock. He should. <laughs> I think that would help him at the St. Lawrence. Um, it might. It's my take. Um, but he also he doesn't have spot lock. He also might only own frogs, um, <laughs> which again could work at the St. Lawrence. Actually, could, yeah, yeah, uh, it could. But I think that you know. The St. Lawrence is going to be an interesting event for him. It'll probably be tough for him to put together a really stellar finish. At the same time, he's got a pretty big lead. And, uh, you know, Ty could do really well there. It seems like the kind of fishery he could do well on. Uh, But he's also never been there either. So, you know, we'll see. Um, Yeah, this, uh, it should be kind of an interesting one. Um, I know we, the, I suppose the last time we spoke on ROI, we were kind of talking about Cody Huff and how, like, you know, survived the Potomac and he's probably got yeah. it down. And he, like, didn't really survive the Potomac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still, uh, oh, yeah. 102nd. That's where he finished. Yeah. It's not uh, surviving the Potomac. It is not surviving. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe some big things happen for, uh, for him, I definitely could see Ty uh, getting along really well with um, the St. Lawrence. Like, I think he'll, I think he'll like it. I think he'll vibe. I think he'll have a good tournament. I think it. Yeah. The the question is, how much like does Clavian show that he's a little more versatile than? Uh, yeah. Like, do we see him pick up a spinning rod? Does he weigh in smallmouth? Does he just say, you know what? I've been doing it with a frog all year. I'm going to keep doing it with a frog and weigh in. I mean, maybe he catches 18 pounds of largemouth a day and, you know, does really well. It's yeah, it's on the table there. You know, it's not. Oh, sure. Like, we Absolutely. know it's possible to catch good bags of largemouth up there. It wouldn't be, like, shocking for to see someone do it. Um, the problem is that, I guess we'll see when, by the time that event rolls around, but typically you need such huge weights to compete there that the really the realistic only way to do it is with smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so much of the history there of really big tournaments is Elite Series history, but, like, last year, Buddy Gross was fishing for largemouth on live on day one, and it's like, what are you doing, Buddy? Yeah. And, I mean, I guess I should look up those results, right? Um, but like Chris Johnston and Paul Mueller, like basically blew that derby out of the water compared to whatever Buddy was doing. Ice yeah, Master, right. St. Lawrence, uh, 2020, 2020. Let's see if this will 
hey, this worked. By the way, the, hey now. like, so I uh, consistently struggle to find things on uh, Bass's website. Absolutely, the way to do it is to Google it, and it takes you to what you need. <laughs> Just like how on our website used to be and really still is, I would always just Google the name of an angler like when I wanted to get their profile page. Right, right. All right, so let's see. Um, tenth place in that tournament was 66-1. That's not very good. Um, anyway, Johnston and Mueller had 97 and 95, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Buddy Gross had 49-7. So, that's uh, not what you want. No, no. Um, but yeah, like, if you look at the weights from that tournament last year, like, you could probably catch largemouth and finish mid middle of the pack. But, man, I don't know who caught, like, above that. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone other than maybe De Palma, who finished 17th, he might have caught a largemouth or two, like, by accident, but... Like, he pretty much had to fish for smallmouth. So, yeah, yep. But, you know, there was that uh, there was that Thousand Islands event a few years ago where Slugona weighed in a couple of largemouth. Yeah, he and did. he did well. And, like, but I think that one was, wasn't that really wind-affected or something like that? Like, Yes. So, I don't know. I think that it's going to be tricky for Clavian. But... It's not out of the question he does well because he seems good, you know? Right, right. Um, all right. Remy is probably going to wake up soon. What else do we need to touch on? You know, I guess, uh, like, you've actually caught some bass. Uh, and I know most of the time <laughs> you catching bass is uh, moderately classified. But uh, what about, like, you know... What, what are they? What you know, are they up to? What are they doing? So what are basses up to? Here's the thing: I fished with you. You might not remember this guy. It's been such a long time. Do you remember Daryl Gleason? You know, it rings a bell, and I think I've met him before. Yeah, right. He's like, uh, he's like not very tall and chatty, basically. Yeah, ocean ponies. Ah, yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, this Daryl Gleason cat, he invited me to go fishing yesterday. It was fantastic. Yeah, so I took him out on one of my favorite lakes, and we flipped grass basically all day, and caught some good ones, lost some good, well, not really lost, had some near misses with some good ones, Uh, Mm. caught a ton of fish. Um, We caught a lot of fish on that V&M RC craw, which is the thing that... It's the bait that um, uh, Justin Cooper. Cooper had on his uh, on his chatterbait, but oh. he was like trimming the sides off. We were just flipping the whole thing. Um, don't worry, they ate other stuff too. But I was like, <laughs> I was in his boat and I had uh, some Maxent with me and I had one Palmetto bugs and I caught like a bunch of fish on that and then like a pike bit the tail off. And I was like, well, oh. crap. I should have brought two palmetto bugs. Yeah. Uh, but then I started using his RC cross because I was like, well, he gets them for free. You know, I'll burn these baits up. Right. Yeah, uh, it's so natural. Fish didn't care. Um, 
But uh, anyway, so it was fantastic. I got to see him again. I got to catch a lot of bass. The Certainly, when you're on the right lake, the summertime flipping bite is in full swing, uh, oh, which is good to see. I do love a good flipping bite. I just, so, like... Is it milfoil? It's milfoil, it's right? It's milfoil. Well, it's milfoil. We actually caught a lot of fish on, like, the flipping, like, the deeper grass edges where you would mostly... You could you could see it kind of with your eyes because it's really clear water. You can see like thirteen feet or so, but you also would see a lot of it on your electronics. Like you just wanted to be in grass on your two D. Oh, okay, okay. And you know, uh, a lot of that. Some of it's milfoil. There's also like some other grass mixed in. Um, gotcha. Like we, we didn't really catch them. You know how sometimes you roll in on a spot and there's like this beautiful like almost topped out or topped out just like perfect looking milfoil you're like oh yeah they're gonna be in that they were mm-hmm. not in that like you could catch one ah. or two but they're much more those on those deeper edges like more like you know it's i wouldn't say it's harder to target it's not like anything fancy that nobody ever does but it's not like you just run to the best looking stuff you they were on that deeper side gotcha uh, but you know you drop a three-quarter ounce weight down there and uh flip the bail and Hold on. <laughs> it's fun. Um, so I've done that. Uh, I've been on... Let's see. What else? Uh, I went up to Champlain. We were going to have a tournament on Sunday. It got canceled because of the wind, which is honestly... On the one hand, it was smart. On the other hand, I had, like, an incredibly good day of practice on <laughs> Friday, so I wouldn't have hated if we'd had it because it was super windy on Friday, too. Uh, oh. But the nice thing was I wouldn't have set the hook on as many fish as I did. Like, I would have stopped doing what I was doing if the, uh, you know, I would have just been like, well, this is, dumb. this is dumb. I don't need to do this anymore. I'll just do this in the tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, Instead, yep. I just like got to have fun, um, but uh, it's been—I would say—the fishing's been good, um, not nice. extraordinary, but good. And uh, should be some more fishing in the future for you, oh, right? Because yeah. we we kind of have a little. I'm bit about of a... to be a camp counselor, baby. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be, that's right. I'm a pro, basically. Next week, so this is wild. Uh, this makes, as a side note, like no, I mean, I I wouldn't hire me to teach a to be a counselor at a camp like i feel like there's other people he's scraping the bottom of the barrels with me but uh so next week on oneida which by the way i've been to oneida one time before and well twice once to work a tournament once to fish a tournament to fish the tournament i might have been in high school or college and i was running back from a thunderstorm and ran over a shoal and knocked out my lower unit at about 10 in the morning and uh nice that's my experience on Oneida, so I don't think Kurt knows that. <laughs> but anyway, um, he's got like this pro bass camp where basically high schoolers come and they fish with, you know, not all pros, some pros. But it's, you're talking uh, about Kurt Dove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Dove's got it, and they come and they fish and they learn. They fish with different people for like three or four days in a row and then they have like a sort of mini tournament on the final day where you're kind of a boat captain and then uh that's pretty much the deal and they feed them and stuff like that 
Um, it's it's a lot more fishing heavy than the high school summer camp that we do. I suspect oh, okay. it's also probably more expensive to participate in, and also that uh, I suspect it's probably more expensive, and then also like it's a much smaller group. Like there's I don't know how many kids. Let's see. It's I'll count. So there's Bud Sipoletti, Matt Becker, Kurt Dove, Rick Harris, Joe LaBarbera. I don't know. I don't know who he is, but I love his name. Kurt Mitchell. I can't believe he's got him teaching high schoolers things. <laughs> Kyle Gallus, Bill Lortz, Glenn Van Hosen, me, and Tyler Wolcott. So that's 11 times 2, so like 22 kids or so. Oh, okay. I think that's how it would work out. I don't know. It should be fun. Hopefully the boat works. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It would be, be, be cool, I guess. I like fishing. You're, you're going like to be a great real-world example for the kids of um, like, how yo, bono, watch, watch boat ownership is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, they'll be, in my, they'll be in my boat, and they'll be with Kurt Mitchell. So, like, guaranteed at some point in time, one of the boats this week will break. Yeah, something will have something broken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It can't. It can't go smoothly the whole time with the two of us there. No, no, certainly not. Um, but yeah, that's mine. That's my next week. Um, and then it's like Champlain time, basically. Yeah, yeah, Champlain time. Then ICAST. Then St. Lawrence. Like uh, we're we're chugging along in the summer now. Yeah, pretty much. Which is nice. I'm ready to be in i mean i it's been kind of a bit of a nice break for us for a little while sort of the potomac was in there but like it hasn't been a ton going on but i'm yep. ready to watch some guys catch smallmouth yeah i'm here for that yeah, yeah it's uh definitely getting to be the uh time of year where you're kind of like oh yeah I, I i'm okay with going to that tournament because you get to see you know big smallmouths yeah no doubt. Now, come September on the Potomac, I may rethink that, but, you know. <laughs> for now, but you got it. There's a lot of fun here between here and there. Yeah. I'm actually getting pretty hyped for the title. I think that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. The title should be a really good time. Um, but, uh, anyway. What else do we... Uh, oh, we should mention the high school national championship. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The, all the high school stuff going on. So right now on Hartwell, they are having the High School Fishing National Championship. They're also having the High School Fishing World Finals. If you don't understand why they're having two tournaments at the same time, join the club. Uh, don't worry <laughs> about it. It's just going on, baby. But yep. uh, highschoolfishing.org is a good place to find out what's going on. Also, majorleaguefishing.com is a good place to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Our photos are the best photos, so come here for that. Um, but anyway, feel free to keep track of it. Uh, Friday is the final day of the national championship. Saturday is the final day of the world finals. And, uh, you know, ideally quite soon there'll be some extremely hyped and happy uh, high school anglers who have won stuff. So that's my... And it's, uh, is it a three fish limit? It is. It's a three fish limit. That's a good point. So, like, guys catching 10 pounds or 9 pounds, like, 
it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, no doubt. It's 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 good. Yeah, there's, like, if you look at the leaders, they had three, and, like, I don't know, one of them was big. Um, they had, yeah, it like, did look giant. Yeah, it looked really big. They had 1013, which, like, pretty dang good for three fish in the summertime on Hartwell, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but anyway, that's the uh, that's the low down there. Well, uh, I mean, there are probably other things we should talk about, but I feel like that probably does it. I think that does it. I think Kyle, you should sell us some baits, and we should close this thing out. Well, stand back, because. Few lures have stood the test of time, like the original Rattle Trap by Bill Lewis. And now, with the help of Major League Fishing Pro Mark Daniels Jr., we're launching the SB57 and MR6. Go to rattletrap.com to learn more. Yo, I'm going there right now. Let Ooh, me see get what's happening. <laughs> um, it's going slow. I'm getting like a redirect thing. I think I've probably pasted this in from an email, and that's why. <laughs> um, oh, I'm there now, baby. They Bingo. sell hats. You know they also sell hats and red Dude, fish. They got some. They got some sweet apparel. Actually, I don't know if the they sell you the red fish. You might, you might just buy the rattle traps <laughs> uh, and then catch red fish on them. Here's Mark yes. Daniels Jr. Hey, whoa, he's in a bass cat. What is he doing in this boat? Whoa, he's wearing an FLW logo. This is back in the day. Nice. I don't think this is an Ultrex in this boat. What is going on? Wow, time travel. Yeah, dude, this is wild. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't really know where exactly we are, but it's been a good time talking with you, Kyle. Um, it has been a pleasure. Podcast at MajorLeagueFishing.com if you want to send us an email. We have a lot of social media. Kyle, you're Kyle Lumber. I'm Jody Blanco on Instagram. Um majorleafishing.com is, I would say, definitely a good place to go for a variety of tournament coverage. Um, and there's a lot mm-hmm. there now. Not a lot of live going on for a little while or anything like that, which is kind of a welcome break. Uh, and uh, I guess also happy 4th of July, because that's very soon. Yeah. Uh, yay, America. Hope everyone uh, gets to spend some time with uh, some family and... Maybe get a catch of bass or catch a fish. And, uh, man, I guess with that, you know, probably try to be back next week. And, uh, yeah, you know, or at least you will life. be. I mean, I mean, maybe I'll get the whole high school camp to come on the show. Hey, that could be kind of fun. I'm going to bring some stuff because, I mean, there's some guys there I can make some content with. So I'll probably bring my camera. But, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I bring not, a mic, and worst case, you could rap with uh, Matt Becker about smallmouths. Oh, dude, he's doing a seminar day one about how to finesse oh, fish for smallmouth, so you know baby. I'm going to learn something. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll take notes. I'll be like, aha, drop shots. Ooh, Jody's shoving nice. high school kids out of the way to get to the front seat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a buddy of mine told me there's a good episode, a podcast episode with uh, Travis Manson and Gray Buck where all Travis Manson does is ask Gray Buck about Oneida. So I'm going to listen to that on the way out there. So I'm prepared. Ah, there you go. So I'll be dialed in. Don't worry, <laughs> kids. I was gonna say, if Gray was there, fish. I'd just follow him around the whole time. He's. I think that Gray is strategically not there. I'm like, yeah. I bet Gray is like, 
yeah, I don't, I mean, look, I'd love to help out these high school kids, but <laughs> I don't need to spend this much time on Oneida with other people. I'd just be, yeah, they'd, <laughs> by the end of it, they'd be like, all right, well, he's avoided these three key areas, so right. that's the juice. <laughs> we fished some really terrible stuff out here, so yeah, we'd, we'd be, Everyone would be out there making, like, little scatter plots of where, of, you know, like those like a heat map uh in basketball yes. where like they're making yes. the shots or whatever we'd all be making those of gray buck and then the, the blank areas we'd be like all right that's where we got yeah go. that's where you focus <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah because uh he's the oneida king i would say yes he is um but yeah man should be good and uh enjoy uh the uh, great white north yeah uh i guess uh you know jody safe travels have fun everyone else safe travels over the holiday And uh, until next time, see ya.